So we're in a series called Following God's Plan for Your Life that we started last Wednesday. Uh, So let's look at Jeremiah 29 and uh, verse 11. And this is out of the uh, New International Version. He says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So we see that absolutely God has a plan for our life, and not only a plan, but plans, he says here. I know the plans, plural, that I have for you, and they're plans to prosper us and not to harm us, and plans to give us hope and a future. So the plan that God has for us is a good plan. It's not just a plan, it's a good plan. It's not a bad plan, it's not a bad a plan to harm us, to bring difficulty uh, or trouble into our lives, but it's a a plan to prosper us. It's a plan to enhance our lives. It's a plan uh, to bring good things and to bring purpose and to bring fulfillment into our lives. And uh, so this is kind of just I'm reviewing what we talked about last week. So number one, God has a plan. Number two, the plan is for us is good. And then the third thing is, is that we can know, the good thing is we can know and follow that plan. The plan of God is not just something that happens to us without our knowing about it or without us understanding or participating in it. We can know His plan and we can actively and and on purpose uh, follow that plan. Because He goes on to say here in Jeremiah in verse 12, He says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And then he says in verse 14, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And so he's got a plan for our lives, but it's up to us to discover that plan. And the way we begin to discover that plan is we call on him and we come and pray to him and we seek him. And he says, if you'll, he says you'll find me when you seek me, not half-heartedly, Not once in a while, not every other Sunday, but we'll find him when we seek him with all of our heart. When we seek him with all of our heart, he says, you'll find me. And in finding him, we'll discover and we'll find that good plan that he has for our lives. Um, Let's go to Psalm 139. We looked at this a little bit last week, but I want to say more about this and look and dig a little deeper into into this tonight. Psalm 139, verse 16, again in the New International, it says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. And, of course, that that statement right there tells us that life begins at conception. And uh, it says, Your your eyes saw my unformed body. That was a a person. Personhood was established before the body was even developed. He said, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written, notice where they were written. Where does it say? In your book. And whose book? Well, that'd be God's book, wouldn't it? All the days ordained for me were written in your book. Isn't that fascinating to think about that God's got a book with your story written in it? That's fascinating, isn't it? To, to, To think about, to contemplate that God's big book, God's grand plan has your story written in it. Hallelujah. His plan for your life, if you'll engage that, if you'll discover that, that's written right there in God's book. 
Amen. All the, and, and it was written in there before one of them came to be. Praise God. So he says here, all the days ordained for me, it says, were written in your book. Now, uh, I believe that, that when he says all the days ordained for me, that he's not talking about every single day of our life. Because there's some, there's some days that we have that I'm pretty sure God didn't ordain what happened that day. Can you agree with that? Have you ever had one of those, you that song, you had a bad day? <laughs> you know, we've all had bad days, haven't we? I don't believe God ordained that. Amen. Uh, those bad days, days when we saw tragedy, days when we saw trouble, God didn't ordain those days. But, but the point we need to see is this, that God does have a plan for our lives and he's got a book in which our life story is written. And I believe these, these ordained days or appointed days are days of, there are days of decision in our lives. And those days were written in God's book. Uh, the, the New King James says it this way, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written. And notice the, the, the term he uses, the word he uses here in the, or she's in the, in the New King James, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. And uh, the Hebrew word there uh, is yatsar, that word fashioned. Uh, and it's used to describe a potter at, the pot, at his potter's wheel taking a lump of clay and fashioning and forming that lump of clay. Rather than being, in other words, rather than being set in stone, the days ordained for us, they're fashioned by the hand of God. It's a, it's a, it's a work in progress, and we're a work in progress. And uh, the course that our life takes is being formed and fashioned by God through the decisions and the choices that we make along the way. And uh, in, the, in the beginning of this chapter of Psalm 139, we, we read that how God created us physically. You know, it says... Uh, uh, it's not going to be on the screen, but uh, which is not necessary, Curtis. Don't don't uh, try to get it up there. But it says, uh, uh, well, verse thirteen: For you formed my inward parts; you covered me in my mother's womb. And uh, and actually, well, it's actually the previous verse, just verse fifteen: My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. And um, so, so God knit us together. One translation says that we were knit, to, knit together. It says, it says here skillfully, the New King James uses the uh, term skillfully wrought. Well, we didn't understand uh, a lot about that until, you know, recent years, what, the last 50 or 60 years with the discovery of DNA. And, uh, and I still, I, I, they, they really didn't teach it when I was going to high school, or at least I slept through that part. I didn't get it, so... So I'm not the best person to explain it to you, but that written code that, that's in us, that God put in us to tell the proteins and the cells and everything to make you, that, that written code is in there. And, and, uh, and, and God used that to create you and to make you. And as we, you know, as we're born and then we grow and develop, that DNA is working and, and creates who we are. Now, we, we also know uh, that, that there's outward factors that affect 
who we, who we are physically, right? Uh, how we develop, such as our environment, our nutrition, accidents that a person may endure, diseases that they may contract. And so there's outward things, you know, working against that good plan of physical development that God created in you, in your DNA. And in the same way, though, he's got a, I don't know what we would call it, it's not DNA, but it's maybe spiritual DNA of the plan that he has for our life. He's got the same kind of thing working, same code working. And there's also outside forces that can affect that plan as well. The choices we make, the the you know the the, the influences that we have, the 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 things that we choose to engage in. Um, so so there's that's working as well that we need to understand that and guard our lives uh, from those things. So uh, <laughs> let's look at this uh, verse in another translation. Uh, this is the Bible in basic English. It says, "Your eyes saw my unformed substance." In your book, all my days were recorded, even those which were purposed before they had come into being. And so there are days that are, so, so, we, so the words that she uses are purposed, fashioned, ordained. Another translation says appointed. So there are days that are purposed for us. There are days that are appointed for us. There are days that are, ordained for us. And I believe that those days are like the forks, uh, a fork in the road, you know, in your, in your life. Yogi Berra said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Well, <laughs> which one do we take, Yogi? Well, but you, we have those places and, and, and times in our life, right? Where you go this way or you could go this way. You could go to college or you could start your career. You could marry this girl or you could choose to marry that girl. You know, forks in the road, decision points that we take that, that affect our future and affect our destiny. I mean, I, I go back, I was talking a little bit about it this morning. I go back to, to my life and, and at the end of my senior year in high school when I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, that was a, that was a turning point. That was a point of destiny. That was a, a day ordained for me. That I heard that message and I said, yes, I, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to know God better. And uh, shortly after that, almost immediately, really, a call of God was awakened that I was not aware of. And, and I can trace it all back to that appointed day. And of course, there's been many. And, and you can relate. You've had many of those appointed days in your life. Decision points of, of, of making a certain choice cause your life to go in a certain direction. Amen? And those days are ordained and they're written in God's book. Amen. So we can, what we can choose, so we can choose then at these, at these ordained, uh, purposed, appointed days, fashioned days, we can choose to follow God's plan or we can choose to go our own way, right? God's not going to force us. But the good news is that there's multiple. It's not just one time, and that's it. And if you get off, then, you know, you're lo- aren't you glad for that? And thank God there are multiple entrance ramps back onto the plan of God. It's called repentance. It's called, 
you know, like the prodigal son, he came to himself. It's called waking up and coming to yourself and getting back in that plan. Thank God there's, that we can get back on. It's not just a, it's not just a one shot. And somehow God is able to, even, even when we miss it, even when we stray off and then come back, he's able to weave that in still to his perfect plan for our lives. That's the, that's the amazing thing. That's the comforting thing about it. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So God's got a plan for your life. And God's got a book written with your story in it, with those appointed days written in it. Amen. I want to look at a couple, if we have time, a couple. We'll start with one. Maybe we'll get to both of them. But uh, some examples in Scripture that I think will help illustrate this too. And the uh, first one uh, is the life of Moses. So let's go to, to Exodus, uh, Exodus, the second chapter, actually. And uh, so what's happening is... the. Uh, the children of Israel had co- have come down to Egypt, and uh, then the Egyptians begin to oppress them. Uh, but they said the more that they oppressed them, the more they multiplied and grew. And so, so the Pharaoh of that day says, "Okay, we've got to we've got to uh, uh, control the population." And uh, so he says, "We're going to I'm going to make a decree that every boy baby be killed, and um, then they're going to throw them throw them in the river." And uh, so they begin to do that. And we, we'll pick it up then in, uh, with that background in, in uh, chapter 2, Exodus 2, verse 1. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. Well, there even, even before Moses, is that we know this is uh, going to be Moses or is Moses. And uh, we know that even... Uh, even at that, before he's able to make any decision, there's an ordained day for his life, isn't it? When his parents decided, we're not going to throw him in the river. We're not going to let the Egyptians get a hold of him. We're going to hide him. You know? And uh, so that was an ordained day for him. You know, God's done that in, in, in your life and my life. He's, he's uh, watched over us and he's put us in position even before we realized it. And he's had people whether it was our parents or someone to, uh, to influence us and to help us in those appointed days, even before we were able to make a decision. Praise God. So that happens for Moses. And uh, so they hid him for three months, verse 3. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, dabbed it with asphalt and pitch, put, it, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood, stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Well, she knew what was supposed to happen. You know, her daddy made the, made the law, made the decree. Uh, then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that, you, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I'll give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him, and the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. So there was another 
appointed day or ordained day uh, for Moses when he was discovered floating down the river by Pharaoh's daughter. I think it's real interesting, too, that, that as Miriam is watching what's going on there, she sees that uh, what's happening and she goes up and says, oh, I, I think I know someone that, that we might could hire to take care of him for you. And, and so Moses' mother gets paid from Pharaoh's daughter for taking care of her own son and raising him until he's big enough to go and live um, in, with, with Pharaoh's daughter. And, uh, and so that happens. And so, of course, so Moses is raised then uh, and taken into the royal family and raised as an Egyptian. All right. And uh, so we'll go back. I want to I skip over. Uh, we could read the narrative here, but I, I like the way it reads in the book of Acts as well. When Stephen is preaching a sermon and he uh, talks about Moses and uh, summarizes a little bit of the history of Moses in Acts chapter 7. We'll go over there. In Acts chapter 7, verse 20, uh, we'll pick it up there. At this time, Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God, (coughs) and he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds." That's, an, that's interesting, too, that, that, that Stephen points that out in his message because what did Moses say when God called him? This, you know, 80, you know, well, four, many years later, uh, he's, he, what did he say? He said, well, I can't speak well. well Moses, you're lying. <laughs> Either that or he, or he forgot how. Perhaps those 40 years in the, on the backside of the desert, he lost all of that. But at one point, he was mighty. In words, it says. Um, So he's mighty in words and deeds. Now, when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. What do we have here? We've got an appointed, ordained day in the life of Moses. So he's 40 years old. He says, you know, I've been raised as an Egyptian, but I know who I am. I'm a Hebrew. I'm going to go see about my people. And so he does that. All right, so that was an ordained day for him. And, uh, and so uh, verse 24, it says, And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. So it comes into his heart to visit the children of Israel, to visit his people, and he knows... Uh, that, that God wants to use him to deliver the people. You know, he said, I, I'm going I'm to take action here. I'm going to do something. And, uh, and so he strikes down the Egyptian. And uh, so he's already got that in his heart. He knows the purpose of God. He knows the calling of God on his life is to deliver the people. And yet, he, when, he, when he does so, he tries to do it uh, in his own power, doesn't he? He tries to do it in his own strength, and he fails when he does it that way. But that was an appointed day for him. And uh, so, you know, uh, we'll read on what happened here. When he he, uh, understands that they don't understand uh, that he's their deliverer, it says the next day he appeared to two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, your brethren, why do you wrong one another? 
But he who did his neighbor wrong pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? He thought it was done in secret. He didn't know anybody found out about it, but now he realizes, oh no, the news is out. Then at this saying, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian, where he had two sons. And when 40 years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. So here we are. Here's another appointed day for Moses. It's interesting that Moses' life can be divided up into three 40-year segments. He had the first 40 years of his life as he was raised uh, in the royal family of Egypt as an Egyptian. When he's 40 years old, it comes into his heart to visit uh, his brethren, the children of Israel, and then that goes horribly wrong. And so he flees uh, Egypt, ends up in Midian, and he's there for 40 years, apparently trying to forget about the call of God, apparently trying to say, oh, none of that ever happened. Can you imagine? I mean, from, from the place he was at, you know, the, uh, Egypt was the world power at that time, and he's right there in the, in the middle of it, an heir of it. And then he realizes, no, this is not who I am. I'm a Hebrew. I'm a Jew. And he, he tries to identify with his people and, and deliver them. And that goes wrong. And now he's like, you know, 40 years more has passed. And yet God's not finished with him. And yet God still has a plan. God still has a purpose. And God hasn't changed uh, from his original purpose. And so he appears to Moses in the burning bush. And again, Moses tries to argue with him and say, I'm not qualified, I can't do it. But he finally agrees and says yes. So again, verse 30, when 40 years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight. And as he drew near to observe, the voice of the Lord came to him saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not look. Then the Lord said to him, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. So Moses had taken the off-ramp to the plan of God and the purpose of God. But here he has an opportunity at this, at this ordained day, at this appointed day, uh, to get back on. He's got the on-ramp to get back on the plan of God. You know, I don't know if, if, if Moses had made different decisions 40 years before, if the plan of God could have been expedited, if he could have gotten busy delivering them, or if he needed that time for God to develop him and for God to work in him, Uh, for him to understand that he couldn't do it in his own power. But whatever the case, he ends up fulfilling the plan of God. He made mistakes. He misunderstood. So that, I don't know if that helps you at all, but that encourages me. Amen. Uh, The Bible says in Romans 11, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. That means God doesn't change his mind about the plan that he has for your life. He doesn't say, oh, well, we'll scrap that. No, it's still written there. It's still written in his book, and we can jump back in and flow with it. Amen? Amen. Praise God. 
So he spends 40 years as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He spends 40 years in the wilderness of Midian. And then he spends 40 years leading the children of Israel right up to, but not into, the promised land. So that's interesting. Three 40-year segments. Praise God. So it says he in verse, uh, uh, where did I get to? 34, uh, 35. This Moses whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? Is the one God sent to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He brought them out after he had shown wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness 40 years. There's that last 40-year period. Now, I want to go to Hebrews 11 because there's another uh, really good... um, uh, passage there talking about Moses that will help us and I believe will give us even more insight into what was going on with him. Uh, In uh, Hebrews 11, verse 24, it says, By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So again, this makes it very clear that that he he was at a fork in the road. He refused at that point. He made a decision and he refused from that day forward to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. We know from uh, the passage in Acts, he was was 40 years old uh, when that happened. Here just in, in Hebrews, it says when he became of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And the Bible says he did it, how? By faith. Faith was involved in that decision. It's going to take faith for us to follow and pursue God's plan for our lives. It takes faith, doesn't it? Amen? But thank God we've been given the measure of faith. So, uh, it goes on here to say in verse 25, choosing rather, so he's come to a fork in the road, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Now, we look at what happened with Moses when he was 40 and when he came to to visit the children of Israel and how he tried to deliver them in his own power. We look at that in a negative light, and and sure, he made mistakes, but here in Hebrews 11, uh, the Scripture really presents it in a positive light. That, yeah, he made mistakes, but he was making the right decision. He was headed in the right direction. He was refusing to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was choosing to suffer affliction with the people of God and to identify with with God's plan and to embrace the plan that God had for him. And it says he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures. And again, he was, you know, he had he had all the wealth and power that he that he could ever want or possibly imagine, but he laid all that aside. You know, to follow God and, uh, and, and to, and to uh, follow the God of his fathers. And so, then the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Verse 27, by faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Praise God. So, so we see, you know, it takes faith. It took, took Moses' faith uh, Moses had to have faith to follow the plan of God. It'll take faith for us to follow the plan of God. 
let's go back and look at something else in Exodus about the life of Moses. So, uh, so Moses uh, obeys the Lord. He goes down to Egypt and, uh, and through the, the plagues that take place, through the signs and the wonders, the children of Israel come out of Egypt and they cross the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army is defeated uh, in the Red Sea. And uh, shortly after that, then Moses goes up on the mountain to meet with God and to receive the Ten Commandments written by the finger of God. And uh, so you know what happens? He comes down, he and Joshua, you know, Joshua is his assistant. Uh, and uh, so they come down from the mountain and Joshua says, hey, it sounds, uh, you know, sounds like the, you know, they're getting ready for war down there. And Moses said, no, they're not. That's not the sound of war. That's the sound of partying. That's the sound of debauchery. And uh, they get down and they discover uh, that they had made the golden calf and they were worshiping the golden calf. And so, um, of course, uh, Moses begins to intercede after he, after he melts it down and grinds it to powder and, and, then, and then sprinkles it on the water and makes the people drink it. Uh, then uh, he begins to intercede for the people. And it's really interesting what he says here. He says uh, in verse 31, he says, Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book, which you've written. How about that? You know, and uh, so he's saying... Basically, he's saying, uh, you know, I know that you've got a plan for me written in your book, and that plan is to deliver these people. But, you know, it's a mess right now, and if you're not going to forgive them, then you might as well just block me out. In other words, where's the the on-ramp? I'm ready to get off. I'm ready to get off this. He said, if you're not going to forgive them, then block me out of your book, which you have written. That almost sounds like what Paul said uh, concerning the children of Israel. Concerned the Jewish people, he said, I could wish that I, was, that I would be accursed from Christ and separated from Christ for the sake of my countrymen. And Moses is almost saying the same thing. But he says, Lord, just blot me out of your book. So here again, we see a reference to, to God's book. And Moses understands that he's got a place and a part and a chapter in that book, a story in that book. And he said, just blot me out. Let's just forget all this. Blot me out of your book. Only God said, no, I'm not going to do that. In verse 33, And the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I'll blot him out of my book. Now, therefore, go. Lead the people. What's God saying? He said, look, you're going to fulfill. You know, I've called you. You know it. And, uh, and you're going to fulfill that calling. Get back, you know, get back to what I called you to do. I know it looks terrible right now. I know they've messed up. I know this looks awful. But you go and lead these people into the promised land. I've not, I've, I've not uh, thrown away my plan for you, nor for them. Praise God. Go lead the people to the place of which I've spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Praise God. And he did it, didn't he? He did it. Praise God. Now, he didn't get to go in, you know, the, 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 the case where God told him, speak to the rock. Don't strike it this time. Speak to the rock. And instead, out of, out of impatience and frustration, 
with the people. You know, at one time, you know, he said, you know, he said, God, you know, these are your people. You know, they're not, they're not mine. <laughs> just, just kill me. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to deal with them anymore. And uh, so out of frustration that day, he struck the rock and God said, okay, because you struck the rock, didn't speak to the rock, you're not going to go in. I'll show it to you, but you're not going to go in. But he led them right up to the, to the promised land. Let's look at, let's look at uh, one more example here. We have time. Let's look at the Apostle Paul. I want to just point a little bit out uh, about his life here. Uh, and let's go to the book of Galatians. And in, in what Paul said in Galatians chapter 1. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. That's, that's why the epistles, the letters that Paul wrote, that's why they're so significant. That's why they're so important. He, all, all these things that he, that he shares in the epistles... Uh, he got by direct revelation. The Lord Jesus revealed it to him. And uh, if you read the if you read the Gospels, you find out we find out in the Gospels what uh, not only the ministry of Jesus, but when we read the Gospel account of the crucifixion and the resurrection, we see what happened physically. We see Jesus being arrested. We see Jesus being condemned. We see Jesus being scourged and beaten. We see Jesus being crucified. We see his body being laid in the tomb. And we see the resurrection three days later and the great news of that. But what, what the Lord showed to Paul was what was going on from the cross to the resurrection. What happened there and what it means for us. The significance you know, for us. And, and one of the great things in there is what, he, uh, is what he says, we've been crucified with Christ. And then what he talks about, the identification that we have with him. In, in the book of Ephesians, it talks about we were dead in our sins, but God made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together with him and seated us together with him. All of these things is what, what the Lord revealed to him when he says, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Verse 13 now. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism. And some translations just say my previous life. And it really would be accurate to say that. It's like Paul had two lives, didn't he? You know, it's like, the old, like, it's like Saul died on the road to Damascus and a, new, and a new guy was born in that encounter with the Lord. But he says here, you've heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. So so Paul was raised as a Pharisee. We read in other scriptures that he was brought up and trained by Gamaliel and uh, and was a you know was a he calls himself he said I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was very ambitious and he was very successful and what he was doing as a uh, religious leader and as a Pharisee. And of course, then, when, when the uh, followers of Jesus began to multiply and spread and begin to carry the message of Jesus and the message of the crucifixion and the resurrection and the message of salvation through faith 
in Jesus, call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. When, when, that, when they began to spread that message, of course, Paul hated that. He, had, he said, they're, they're coming against the law. They're coming against our traditions. And of course, he began to persecute the church. And um, he said, I persecuted the church of God. I tried to destroy it. He said, I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Verse 15 now, but when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb, some translations say, who chose me before I was born. When God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by His grace. When did He do that? Paul says He did it before He was born. He separated Him from His mother's womb. He set me apart from, his, from my mother's womb. He, 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 he called me before I was even, when I was still in the womb. Before I was even born, God called me. Well, he didn't call him to be a Pharisee and persecute the church, but that's what he did for the first few decades of his life, obviously. So God had a plan, and, and Paul, Saul at the time, finally discovered it, didn't he? When God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. That was God's purpose all along for Saul, who became Paul, as was to reveal Christ to him and in him that he might preach him among the Gentiles. Praise God. And he did that, didn't he? But so, so we know that that, uh, <coughs> that encounter that he had on the road to Damascus, what was that? That was an ordained day, wasn't it? That was an ordained day for, for Paul, for Saul at the time, who became Paul. And we see, as you read through the book of Acts and read the account of his travels and his ministry and the things he did, he had other appointed days. You know, Acts 13 is one. It says he was assembled in the church in Antioch with other prophets and teachers. And it says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Saul and Barnabas for the work to which I've called them. And then they set out on what we call and know as, as their first missionary journey. And uh, we see three recorded. Uh, if you look in the back of your Bible in the maps, then you'll find a map of Paul's three missionary journeys. So, uh, and so he did. But he began his life, you know, as a Pharisee, not in, not in the plan of God, not doing what God told him to do. But God said, okay, now's time. It says, when it, when it pleased God to reveal His Son in me. Praise God. And Paul responded. Amen. So God's got a plan for our lives and He's got appointed days for our lives. And I pray, and ordained days, and I pray that we would recognize those ordained days. Amen. And, we'd, and we'd take the right path and the right course. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. We praise You. Oh, we thank you that you have written our story. That you've written our ordained, appointed days in your book. All the days ordained for me. All the days fashioned for me. Appointed for me. And for each one of us here. Are written in your book. And you wrote them in your book before one of them came to be. Before we were ever born. You had that great plan for our lives. And we thank you, Lord, that you've included us in your book. 
the book of your great plan of redemption, your great plan of salvation. Thank you, Father, that you've got a role for us to play. Thank you that you've got a story for us to live out. Thank you, Lord, that you've got a plan for us to pursue. Father, I thank you that you open our eyes, that we would see it more clearly. Lord, I know that that your plan can become more clearly defined in our lives. And I pray that for myself and for every person here, that your plan, that your purpose would be more clearly defined in each of our lives during this year, Father. Help us to see it more clearly. And help us, Father, to recognize those ordained days, those appointed days, and help us to choose the right path, go in the right direction to continue following your plan and your course that you have for our lives. Father, you promised that if we would seek you with all of our hearts, that we would find you. And I thank you for that, Lord, that as we do that, that, we will, that you'll keep your word and that you'll reveal yourself to us and that we'll see you, that we'll understand you and your ways and your plan. And we'll be more sure and steadfast in that than we've ever been in our lives. I thank you for it tonight, Father, in the name of Jesus.